So uh, we've just had such a great time. I want to thank Kathy, all the work you did behind the scenes, making everything happen. Kathy, you're amazing. Quiet, uh, unobtrusive, making everything go. Love it. And uh, welcome, particularly people online today. And uh, I know there's many of you around the world, and we just welcome you. And does here, he wants to do through you too. And uh, we had such an amazing testimony of someone watching online and the power of God touched them, delivered them. Wasn't that awesome? Okay, I was really kind of uh, pressed for time because we've had a lot of demonic pressure over the week leading up to the the event and uh, it just sometimes takes time for me to find my way through to clarity about what God wants to do. And then of course today I'm thinking, oh, I've got to preach today, Lord, what will I say? And uh, anyway, I just uh, was on my home last night and the Lord just spoke to me. He said, preach on this topic. I thought, well, I don't know much about that topic, but anyway, I've got, got the topic. That's a headway, isn't it, eh? That's a good start. And uh, so here it is. This is what we're going to speak on. I want to speak a message called The Silence of Adam. The Silence of Adam. So if you've got a man next to you, give him a nudge just for them. Oh, you can feel the, oh. <laughs> and uh, so when we, uh, we've been looking at uh, the series on relationships. We've been also looking uh, at the area of, uh, over the last couple of Sundays on uh, some relational lessons out of Eden. But I want to touch a specific area today. And I want to talk specifically about the silence of Adam. And uh, as we'll see, it doesn't just apply to him, it applies to all of us, we all descend from him. But uh, it's got a special application for men. And so men, you wanna be open and listen because there's some important things God wants to show you. So the first thing to understand is that when God created Adam, he created him for dominion. He created him as an image bearer to have dominion and bring order and fruitfulness into creation. That mandate has never been withdrawn. God gave Adam, the man he created, he created him as a son, he created him to be his representative, and he gave him authority, that's the right to be his representative, the right to rule, and the power to be able to do it. God gave him that. And uh, it was a requirement to bring order. So his first exercise in bringing order was into the animal kingdom. So I want you to see as we go through this, the importance of your voice. I could do a number of messages on it, but I want to relate it specifically to, uh, to Adam. In uh, Genesis 2, verse 19 and 20, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and he brought them to Adam uh, to see what Adam would call them. Now, isn't that interesting? God did not name the animals. Why did he not name the animals? Because that wasn't his jurisdiction. He gave that to Adam. He gave Adam the authority to bring order into creation just as he had brought order. And so he brought them to Adam to see what Adam would call them. So God's interested. I wonder what he's going to call this one. Man, how do you make up names for every animal? You've got to be smart to do that, don't you? I don't think about that one. That looks like it could be an elephant. <laughs> okay, elephant, move on. We've got another one to name. You know? <laughs> and whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. How about that? So God gave names to all cattle, the birds of the year, every beast of the field. So this is his first assignment as God's representative bringing order into creation. He had to call them a name. And to call them a name, the word to name someone means to identify them and their nature. But to, in order to name them, he had to speak. So speaking out direction, directives, speaking out 
is a part of bringing order into creation, an important part of bringing order into creation. And so God created order out of the chaos by speaking. And Adam brought order to the animal realm by speaking. God uses spoken words to bring His power into the earth. When you look through the miracles of God, you look through the ministry of Jesus, you will find God uses words to release power from the spirit realm into the earth. That is how He does it. So we are unique. We have the power of speech. Animals don't get to speak, but we can speak. We have an ability designed by God to do what He did and to release power from the spirit realm into the earth through our voice. So your voice is incredibly important. Your voice is gonna be used to work the works of God. You want your gift to function, you'll have to speak up. You want to flow with the Holy Spirit, you'll have to speak out and speak forth. You wanna deal with demons and silence them, you'll have to speak out. You must use your voice if you wanna see life around you change. And so speaking is how we engage in communication. Speaking is how we bring order out of the chaos. And you'll find when there's chaos, there was miscommunication, right? Always when there's poor communication, that's when there's chaos. So speaking is how we release the power of God. If you have a think about Solomon's temple, it says they're all, in 2, Corinthians, uh, um, 2 Chronicles 5, it says they're all together in one called one place, praising the Lord. And as they praised the Lord, as they used their voice, as they began to express with their gifts and their voices, the atmosphere saturated with the glory of God, the glory of God filled the place, they all fell down. There was no room, they couldn't stand because God's presence was released through the Word of God. When they praised the Lord, when they activated worship, when they spoke, God responded by filling the place with His presence. The book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, they're all with one accord in one place. What were they doing? Well, they weren't sitting silent. It says they lifted up their voices unto God with one accord in prayer, and as they lifted their voice with one accord, heaven entered the earth, something shifted in the spiritual and physical realm. God fell upon people, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter four, the house shook where they were praying and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the Word of God boldly. Spoke the Word of God boldly. So part of our exercising dominion, part of our bringing order into life, part of our releasing the life of God into the earth is your voice. You must learn to use your voice and manage your tongue so the words you speak are blessing, building, edifying, and not words that release cursing and bitterness against people. It's incredibly important. So we're gonna look now into Eden, the first failure. So the second time we see Adam exercising or failing to exercise authority, we'll go into the garden, okay? So in Genesis 2, verse eight and nine, it says, God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and then He put the man in whom He had formed. So He made the man over here, but He built a garden over there, and then He took the man from here and put him in the garden there. The garden represented a portion of all that God wanted to give him. The garden represented a portion of the earth. 
The garden represented an area or territory or responsibility God gave him. And God does it still the same way. He creates you and then He births you into an environment, into a territory, a land, a tribe, a family, whatever. He puts you somewhere, that's your territory to flourish and grow. They always go together. God has a territory for you. That's why you need to be where God called you, not be where you're getting paid more. Because if you're getting paid more and you're not where God called you, life will be miserable. You may get a lot of money, but you'll suffer the loss of a lot of things. Then if you lose your marriage, you lose half your money anyway. So, I mean, it's not good, is it really? It's not smart, not smart at all. eh? And um, of course there was in the garden, there was the, the tree of good and evil. Verse 15, God took the Lord God, put him in the garden of Eden and he put him in. But when he put him in, he put him in with purpose. So you are brought into this world with purpose related to God's plan for you to grow in dominion. So he gave him a mandate, a very clear mandate concerning his garden. Now, firstly, your heart is a garden for you to cultivate. Your relationships are a garden. Your house, is a, it's, a, it's, it's a garden in, in that sense as well. It's just the territory that God placed you in. And he gave him, so uh, God prepared the garden and that was his primary responsibility to be God's representative in the garden. See? Okay, so every person is given a realm, a territory, a place to work out what God wants to do through you. Everyone. You just gotta make sure you're in the place he called you. So God gave him an ad, uh, a mandate. A mandate, I know we hate the word, but a mandate is a governmental directive. See, he didn't tell him to put on a mask, that'll stop him speaking. He wanted him to be, to be able to do something, see? He gave him a mandate, a very clear direction. So when God gave Adam a mandate, the mandate has never changed. It's still the same, it still applies to you today. And here it is in Genesis 2.15, he put him in the garden to cultivate it, to tend it or cultivate it, Number one, to be fruitful with what he'd been entrusted. He didn't say to ask for more. He just said, you need to work what you've got and make it productive. That's the first thing. The first role that God gave or mandate is to work. And, And so work is not evil. Work is the mandate God gave Adam. That word uh, to, uh, there means to work, it means to serve, it means to cultivate, means to become productive, it also means to worship. So when you look at the use of the word to tend the garden, it carries with it in the Hebrew thinking that your work is a mandate, a service done as the representative of God and as an act of worship. So when you separate church and your work, you have now taken God totally out of everything you're trying to do for the majority of your life. God wants you to learn how to bring Him into what you do. Your work is how you express your worship to God, how you deal with people, your faithfulness and tasks, how you do things, administrate things and whatever. It doesn't matter what the job is, big or small, that's irrelevant. What is relevant is that you work that you cultivate it and are faithful in it and make it productive. And the reason it's important is because that's how you worship God. That's why it says in Colossians 3.23, you servants or slaves, whatever you do, do it 
unto the Lord, not with eye service as a man pleaser, but unto the Lord from your heart, knowing that the Lord will give you the reward of inheritance. So what he's saying then is whatever task you've got, it's not where you end. God has inheritance for you, but you must cultivate what you're given. So whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men as I pleases, working when they're round, slacking when they're not. Do everything you do as your act of worship to the Lord and your service to the Lord and the Lord who sees that will reward you. Well, that's a whole area. You all got quiet on that one anyway. So there's no place for non-workers. There's no record anywhere in the Bible that I could find, it may be, but I haven't found it yet, where God chose a non-worker. Because if you won't work at something, how can God get you to work for him? If he can't trust you to do a job somewhere for someone, how can he trust you to do a job for him? You understand, the book of Genesis contains phenomenal insights because they're the book of beginnings where everything starts. But the one I really want to get to is this one here, and this is the area of, of uh, tend the garden. So he gave them to, to tend the garden, cultivate it, and uh, to be fruitful in it. And the other one then was to keep it. And that word keep means, it's the word shema, meaning to observe it. It means to, to guard it. It means to pay attention to it. It means to protect it from damage or loss. And how about that? Now here's something that I want you to see that not only did God give a mandate, be productive with your life, don't stay home, do nothing, don't be a slacker, be a worker. Woman, if you wanna marry a guy, first question, not how hunky he looks, how good he looks, is he a worker? Be not a worker, he's gonna be no use to you because he needs to provide. Just that's an aside, that's not the message, but it's just a good thing for you to <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay, so his role was to guard or protect what was entrusted to him. Now there's something about that. To, to guard means he is appointed by God as watchman. So his primary role was not just to be productive, but also to be a watchman. Now God called him to be a watchman over the territory assigned him because number one, there is, it's valuable. Number two, there is a real clear and present danger that things will be stolen or destroyed. There is an enemy that is real. So when God says, he wouldn't, you wouldn't say to guard something if there wasn't the reality of a loss. I mean, you know, at nighttime, you go around and lock your doors. Most people do. Lock the doors, why? Because there's a chance someone will come and steal your stuff. You go one holly, you lock your doors. You put a guard over it, put some alarm on it or get the neighbours to watch it. But you, you, you and anticipating that someone will steal, you always are careful about the security of your home. And God is saying, what I have given to you is valuable and represents your opportunity to prosper and enlarge, guard it. So don't go growling about your job. Be productive and guard what you're given. You, can't, you understand? All of this really does apply very simply. But here's the thing. There is a real enemy out to destroy what God has provided for you for your well-being and future. And so the, one of the important roles Adam was given as a son was to be a watchman. 
Now, there's a certain responsibility a watchman has. The first thing, he's got to stay awake. <laughs> Don't go napping when you're on duty, you know. You can't do that. You've got to stay. So, so, so he's got to be on guard. And not only that, as we'll see a little later in the book of Jeremiah, I think it is, it says that the, the role of the watchman is the watchman needs to stay awake and keep alert. And the watchman needs to notice anything that's a danger and the watchman needs to warn people of danger. If you see the danger, warn them of the danger. Don't stay silent. When a watchman doesn't speak out when he sees something, he is failing totally in his job. And if he sleeps on the job, he's failing in that as well. Now I want you to notice this verse here. Uh, Genesis 3, verse 1 through to 6. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field the Lord God had made. Cunning. The devil is cunning. And he said to the woman, Has God said, You should not eat the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the gardens, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, not touch it, unless you die. And the serpent said, oh no, you won't die. You can do whatever you want. God knows if you eat it, the day you eat it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, oh, God was lying to me. He's a holdout. Oh, this could get me ahead. Oh, looks good. It said, and when the woman saw the tree was good for food, she saw it. Oh, that's good. I like that. Like shopping, isn't it? Oh, I like that. And, and saw that. <laughs> And said, uh, and pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of the fruit and ate. And she gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, get this. Most times when people think about this, they think Eve was on her own, and the, de and the devil's talking to her, and then she gets tricked, and then she comes and gives the, 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 whatever the fruit is to Adam. It's not so. It says, Adam was with her and was silent. Now, this is a problem. Why didn't he warn her that the serpent was a danger? Why didn't he tell her that she was listening to a lie? Why didn't he warn her of what could happen? He looked, and he's the original passive man. Looked and said nothing. Now, when you see his assignment was a watchman, to look and see danger and say nothing is to betray the call and appointment of God. I'll show it to you in scripture in a few moments. So silence from a man is a betrayal of a leadership role. You can't lead without speaking. Oh, real quiet. <laughs> see? Now here's the thing. Adam remained silent, but God didn't remain silent because God came to the garden and said, Adam, where are you? God, see, God, because he's a leader, initiates connection, initiates communication, initiates discussion about what's going on, initiates disclosure, initiates responsibility. He's come to initiate repair of what the man he delegated to had just done. And he's giving him a chance to front up and be responsible. And instead of being responsible, Adam threw his wife under the bus pretty well. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. Don't look at me. 
You know, why are you asking me all these things? I didn't do that. And so notice that, that God, when God, now I, know, I want you to see something. This is an aside, but it's really quite interesting. That when God talks to men, he talks differently to men to women. Because you need to talk to men differently to women. Because men are not women. They don't think the same. So, so notice how God, uh, how God speaks to Adam. Did you eat the fruit of the tree? That's pretty direct, isn't it? It's just straight and blunt and direct. Did you do that? Men need that kind of talk. Otherwise, they just don't get it. This really, this is true. They really just don't get it. But when he talks to Eve, now if you talk to a woman that way, that's not gonna work out. Why did you buy that? Sonny, on the defensive straight away and there's a major thing going on. Where did you buy that? You know, oh, what God just said to her was simply, what have you done? He just invited her to talk because women need to talk. And God made women, he gets them and understands them. I, I think maybe it's going over your head a little bit that one here. So when you talk with men, you've got to make it sharp and blunt and direct because they don't get it otherwise. You talk with women, you give room to talk and in the talking, it all comes out. <laughs> okay, so that's how it is. So God is not, not so confrontational with Eve. He's, he's confrontational with men, but not so much with women. How about that? Just something to notice about God. He understands and gets you and knows you're different and will treat you differently. Now, here's the, here's the thing I want you to see. The silence of Adam cause catastrophic loss. And the silence of men leading their homes also causes great loss. I'll just show it to you in a couple of ways. And, uh, and it's, you notice there that he was silent. So whenever you see the watchman who's appointed to watch and warn by speaking up, whenever he's silent, there is always destruction. Oh, let me give you a couple of examples. The first one, of course, there is Adam. And so Adam was there, he was present, and uh, he saw Eve being tempted, and he did not intervene, he did not speak up, he did not create any resistance, he actually tolerated it and was silent. He just let it go and didn't speak. And that is the failure of the original man, a failure to fulfill his watchman responsibilities. Men see things about families, they see a long-term picture, they're able to see things often that women don't see because they see from a different realm, you've got to learn to speak up and speak out. You can't be, if you remain silent, you are refusing and betraying your responsibility as a watchman in the household. And it's sad when you find, you get into households and you find the man has nothing to say and the woman's doing all the talking. It's totally out of order totally out of order. It's just because the man's not functioning properly. And so because he was passive and didn't speak up when he needed to speak up, then what happened was catastrophic loss for him and Eve. They lost their garden. They lost the glory of God. They lost the blessing on their life and their children were born in sin and they themselves became subject to sickness and eventually death. That's a big price to pay for not being a good watchman. You think, oh, well, that's just Adam and Eve. Okay, I'll give you a couple other stories from the Bible. <laughs> Here we go. Now, you remember the story of Adam in Genesis chapter 16. And Adam, uh, Abraham, sorry. And Abraham has been given a great promise from God. And God said, oh, I will make you a mighty nation. That means lots of children. And your seed will be great and your name will be known. So you've got the promise from God. Now, here's the problem. 
When God speaks, there's a process before it always comes to fulfilment. And often we get impatient on the way. And so what happens is a lot of time goes by and he's now in his 90s and uh, his wife is now in her 90s and it says it stopped. She's not no longer having the children. And, and uh, oh no, she's a little in that. And here's what happens. She's, she comes up with a great idea. Here's my great idea. I want you to sleep with my beautiful maid, Hagar, and then she can get pregnant and we'll have the child. And that's how God's gonna work this out. And what did Abraham say? Nothing, nothing. See, God had given Adam a mandate and instead of standing up and protecting what God said, he said nothing. God had given Abraham a word and instead of standing up and saying, God can fulfill this word with his own power, we will not violate his order to do this. So when he listened to his wife, now remember the, the, the thing that God spoke to Adam was you listen to your wife. Inst- didn't, now, not saying you shouldn't listen to your wife. Hey, don't get that. What he's saying is you, you, you placed the voice of your wife above my clear voice to you. Whenever a husband places the voice of his wife above the clear voice of God to him, there is problem in that marriage. And so what happens? He places the voice of his wife above the promise of God. Now, when you have a look at the word, how many understand there's a lot of conflict between the Arabs and the Jews? Here was the silence of Abraham. His silence caused that catastrophe. Because out of uh, what happened there, the whole uh, Arab race was born. There has been conflict and, and difficulties all through history because of that. So Adam was silent. Wow. Okay, what about another one that was silent? Another one that was silent. Another one that was silent. Another silent man. We're going to hate silent men after a while. Speak up. <laughs> Talk. <laughs> but we'll come to that. We're going to have time to pray. I want to pray that people will be activated to get going again. But here's another one, Lot. Now remember Lot, the Bible tells us of Lot that Lot thought it was a much better idea when he, he was walking with Abraham. And because Abraham had the anointing, the blessing of God, walking with him caused him to come into blessing. But then later on, the blessing was big. And instead of resolving it, he said, I've got to go my own way. And so he put Abraham in a situation of of having to make a choice which way to, what to do. And so Abraham said, I don't want any strife and conflict. You can choose. And he let go his source. He dishonoured his source. Oh, it's not going to go well. And so follow the story. He goes in and he, he, it, the Bible says he starts off and he's camping near the city so he can do trade. Then he's in the city doing trade and then he's in the governance of the city. He's really got totally embroiled in the city. And the, the Bible tells us in the book of Peter, it says he was vexed every day by the ungodliness. And what was influencing him was his wife's voice. How do we know his wife's voice? Because she didn't want to leave the city. She liked the shopping. Well, you think about it. And it tells us also that when they did leave the city eventually, because the angels dragged them out, she turned back. Her heart was in the city. So, so it doesn't give us all the details, but one thing's very clear. There is no record that Lot spoke up and spoke out about the danger to the family of being in the city. Now, what is the consequence? The consequence, he lost everything. Lost his wealth, lost his wife, And then, get this, his daughters took on the mother's attitude 
And they got him drunk and slept with him. And then there was the Moabites and the Ammonites, and they were the enemy all through history of Israel. So you notice then, silence of another man when he should have spoken up and warned of evil and catastrophic impact in his family. The whole family breaks down. Well, can I give you one more? It's interesting, isn't it? They're in the Bible. You've just got to look and read and start to see it, not just as an Old Testament person, but something really, uh, really new. Now, here's another one that was silent. Now, you remember the story of uh, Isaac? He had two sons called Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. And the Bible says God spoke to Isaac, and he said very clearly, the younger shall rule, the elder shall serve the younger. Now, Esau was a manly man. He's the guy's guy. He goes out hunting and shooting and all that kind of stuff. And, and Isaac likes him. And uh, the other one is a bit of a mummy's boy. He's around the house and, and he's, he's, he's just softer. He's more, you know, he's just a different. He's not, not that kind of guy. And it's okay to be not that kind of guy because God chose that kind of guy. Isn't that interesting? God chose him over Esau. And so God spoke clearly, this young man will be the one who gets the inheritance and the elder will serve the younger. Now, he's given him a clear mandate. So he is the head of the family, is responsible to make sure that this is very clear in the family, that the elder shall serve the younger. So what happens? He doesn't say anything. He doesn't say a word. And when he doesn't say a word, his wife gets the idea and she comes along and says, we need to fool this guy. He's just not, he's not measuring up. He should be speaking up and he's not. So she gets this plan, let's go in and deceive your dad. You want to wear some goat, goat skin like the hairy brother and go in there and deceive your dad and see if we get the blessing off him. So he goes in and does that and the result is chaotic. From that point on, there's a massive family breakdown. They never see their son again because Esau becomes filled with hatred and wants to kill Jacob and Jacob has to run away. His parents never see him again. Esau gets filled with bitterness and anger because of the, what he feels is rejection by his father. He goes off and marries some woman, an ungodly woman, and it says that ungodly woman vexed the parents. They hated the choice and there was conflict in the family. So you notice there, the man was silent about what God expected and when he was silent, Devastation came in the family. Hey. Well, yeah, oh dear, exactly, oh dear. Well, we're gonna, we'll come to a happy ending. We need to get to a happy ending you know, to get your voice back. Man, get your voice back. Get your voice back. So, so here's the thing is, silence can become treason. And that's what happened in the case of Adam. Adam called him to account. And he said, he called him to account in Genesis chapter three, verse 17. And he said to Adam, because you listened to the voice of your wife and you ate the fruit of the tree, which I commanded you not, cursed as the ground for your sake. So he was given responsibility to be a watchman. And in Ezekiel 3:17, son of man, I've made you a watchman over the house of Israel. Hear the word from my mouth and warn them. So the role of a watchman, if you're the head of the house, if you're a man, your role as a watchman is to hear what God has to say. And if He's giving warning, you need to speak it out. You need to be a voice of concern to protect and guard the family. Well, you had no idea, you gotta do that. So if you, if you appoint someone to be a watchman over a city, and you say, listen, listen, there's some enemies out there. 
I want you on the wall. I want you to stay awake, watch the enemy and uh, let us know if they're coming, warn us. And then while you're asleep, the watchman falls asleep, the enemy comes, everything's taken and stolen. What would you say about the watchman? Well, that's treason. You, you betrayed our trust. You were given a solemn responsibility of watching over and guarding the city, warning us if something was gonna happen and you never did it. That is betrayal of trust, that is treason. So the Bible is very clear that Adam was charged by God with two things. Number one is listening to the voice of his wife over the voice of God, which amounted to treason. The betrayal of trust. And then when he ate the fruit of the tree, then he has totally betrayed the trust put in him. He literally sided with the enemy. So if you're a man called to be head and leader in your home, and you do not listen and respond to the voice of God, but rather listen to the demonic influences of culture around you, you, will open, you are actually betraying the entrustment. See, many men don't understand that to be, the, to be a, a husband, to be a father, is an office God gives you that has an assignment with it related to the marriage. You need to understand it and fulfill it. If you fail to fulfill it and provide the leadership, you are betraying God and betraying your wife and betraying your children and their consequences. It's quite serious, isn't it? So you have a look now at our culture and you'll find the core of the problems, the root of the problems are not the guns, they are the behaviors that are taking place in people because of the breakdown of homes and families, the loss of fathers of heads of the households. This devastation is the consequence of the silence of men. You understand? That's why men in the house need to get their voice back. Men in the house need to become men of prayer. Men in the house need to step up again. In the book of Hosea, it says that Adam was guilty of treachery, betraying covenant with God. How about that? In Luke 4 verse 6, God says, uh, the devil says to Jesus, he said, see all these kingdoms of the world, all this authority and power? He said, it's been delivered to me. It's been handed over to me, betrayed to me by the guy you put it in his hands. So many households are broken and damaged and have destruction and harm and all kinds of things because the father has failed to be the watchman for the household fail to warn, fail to protect, fail to engage, fail to speak, has been silent when God required him to speak. I can't make it plainer. It's there right through scripture. So God always looks for a way to get us back. He always looks, he doesn't cut us off. He always looks for a way to get us back. Now, here's the thing. Let me draw it in right now. That Jesus, when he is speaking, there's an interesting thing he says in the book of Mark. He says, what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch and pray. So now in the New Testament, God considers that all people are called to be watchmen. It says, Paul wrote, and he said, there's neither male nor female in Christ. If you are a human being and you come to faith in Christ, you were called to be a spiritual watchman. 
You're called to be observant to what's going on. What's going on in culture, what's going on in your marriage, your family, around you, what's going on in the church, what's going on in your relationships. You're called to be a watchman and watching is always connected with prayer. Prayer, strong, passionate prayer awakens your spirit, awakens your sensitivity, awakens you to the Holy Spirit to listen to His warnings. He gives warnings. He warns us. He warns us of things to come. He shows us and, uh, things that will harm and gives you room to make some decisions, but you've got to speak up about what God has been saying. So both men and women are called equally to be watchmen, to pray. Men have a particular responsibility. Elders of a church have a responsibility, but God wants us to watch and pray. Watch and pray. Stay alert, stay alive, stay sensitive in the Spirit. Stay sensitive in the Spirit. In the book of Joel, in chapter three, verse nine, he says this, he says, wake up the mighty man. Wake up these watchmen. Wake up the mighty man. They've fallen asleep. Wake them up. Stir them out of slumber. There's a spirit called the spirit of Jezebel that puts a slumber over people, a spiritual slumber, and it's like their eyes are closed, their ears are blocked, they can't hear, and they're not speaking up. And God wants us to do something about that. He wants to awaken us, awaken us, awake up, wake up the mighty man. Now let me, let me read in this final part. Wake up the mighty man, stir up the mighty man. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 22, a demon oppressed man who was blind and dumb, not speaking, was brought to Jesus and he healed him. So the, the man spoke and saw. Notice he's blind. He can't see or act as a watchman. He's got no vision, spiritual perception. He's in a world of darkness. Sin will do that. When we sin and compromise, our world becomes dark. Secondly, it tells us there he was mute. He was silent. He had no voice. Can't see, can't speak. It's hard to be a watchman if you have no spiritual perception and can't speak. And it says they brought him to Jesus. How did the man lose his vision? How did the man lose his voice? It tells us in the Bible, it says a demonic spirit caused it. He was oppressed by an invisible, evil, demonic spirit. And the consequences of that oppression was to cause him to lose the ability to see things as they are and lose the ability to speak up, speak out and act as a watchman. It was a demonic spirit caused him to do that. I have discovered that the spirit of Jezebel, that spirit of Queen of Heaven, that demonic power in the realm of the spirit will cause you to not see what's going on. That's why you pray so your eyes are opened. It will cause you to not hear what God is saying. It'll cause you to not be able to speak out. It will do everything it can to silence you. There are many examples where people, where the devil tried to silence people. Let me give you a couple, then we'll finish the story. Here's one of them, blind Bartimaeus, sitting by the roadside begging. He heard that Jesus was coming and he began to yell out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And what did the crowd do? The crowd said, shut up, be quiet. Stop speaking, be silent. And he refused to be silenced by people and their opinions and his refusal to be silenced gained him a miracle healing and deliverance. Queen Esther, 
was silent in the faith because she's in the palace. She thinks she get away with everything. And, Mal- and Mordecai come and says, if you remain silent, God will raise someone up to bring deliverance other than you. In other words, in your assignment, he said, maybe God put you in this place for just this time to speak up. If you remain silent, He will find someone else. Deliverance will come, but you will suffer. In other words, He's saying, no matter where you are, even if it's cosy, if God has positioned you there, He wants you to be a voice in that place. A voice for godliness, a voice for what is right, a voice for justice, a voice for things that are good and holy. There's an example. Hey, a couple of it. There are all these examples in the Bible. We start to look at them. They're always trying to shut people up. You know, Jesus is coming into town and you know, everyone's shouting and the kids are shouting and praising the Lord. And what did the crowd say? Tell them to be quiet. No! He said, no, if they're quiet, even the stones will yell out because the King of kings has come. King of kings has come. The King of kings has come. So how did he lose his voice? A demonic spirit. Demonic spirits cause people to have no vision to see. They shut people down. God wants you free so you can see again. Get vision for your life. See what God is doing. Respond to what God is doing. Demonic spirits, take away your voice. I don't know how many here and you've lost your voice. Lost your voice in prayer. Lost your voice to speak up. Lost your voice to share your dream, share your desires. Lost your voice to speak up and warn. Lost your voice. If you've lost your voice, God wants you to have your voice restored. It is the key to moving in your gift. It's the key for the power of God flowing through you. <laughs> Hallelujah. God wants to really set us free. Here's another, here's another thing that shutting down the voice of the church. Cancel culture. Cancel culture is basically, it's no more than just public shaming to manipulate and control and silence voices that ungodly people don't agree with. Behind that ungodly people is a demonic power. It's the same power that's always been there trying to shut up the voice of the church, trying to shut up the prophetic voice. Spiritual powers will try and stop the prophetic voice. They will try and shut down the voice of the Word of God. They will want to take off your head as they did with John the Baptist. But you must not give in and lose your voice. It's required as a watchman we speak up. So what happened to this man? They bought the man. The man came to Jesus and Jesus discerned The reason he's not seeing like he should see and speaking like he should speak is because he is oppressed by a demon. And Jesus touched that man, spoke to that man, ministered to that man, and his blind eyes were open and he can see. His mouth is open and he can speak again. What do you reckon he did the rest of the day? He would be talking nonstop. And what would he be talking about? The wonderful person of Jesus who has restored his life back to him again. God wants today, I believe, to touch people who have been shut down. Maybe you were shut down in your family, in your family culture. You weren't allowed to speak. We were raised in the culture. Kids should be seen and not heard. What an ungodly thing that is. 
What an ungodly thing that is. Jesus said, the words I speak are spirit and impart life. That's who we are. We're God people. We're to speak spiritual words, life-giving words, hopeful words, helpful words, encouraging words. And we need to stand with God and release His power to touch people's lives. That's what you're called to do. So I have noticed that when it comes to ministry, people lose their voice. It's so common. They can speak boldly, loudly, and then as soon as it comes to praying, oh man, suddenly the voice goes. We need to get our voice back. And we need to get involved actively in releasing the life of God to others through spoken words, encouraging words, life-giving words, blessing words, calling forth words. Words that release God's power and activate the gifts. Words that say, I see who you are. You're a great person. God is working with you and in you. I see this gift in you. You're really good at that. Have you ever thought of doing that? See, those kind of words are words of life. Get your mouth open again to speak forth encouragement and blessing. Let your words be filled with grace to impart encouragement to people. I want to pray. Let's have enough time to, to pray for people. Why don't we stand on our feet and flow back in that song. You know that one about the glory of the Lord. That was such a good song. I believe He is here about to touch people.